Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of CX Cast. Sam Stern joined by Jenny Wise in the studio. Hi, Jenny. Hi, everyone. We're going to talk about a report that we collaborated on. When we're not talking together, sometimes we're writing together. And we wrote a report called The Extended Reality Opportunity Today, Your Employees. Jenny, maybe I can pose the first question to you here. Why do we think that the extended reality opportunity today really is more about employees rather than about customers? So part of the reason why we started this research, right, is because I was looking into consumer use cases, or really a sort of extended reality, which is the umbrella term, you know, includes virtual reality, augmented reality, and mixed reality. And I was talking about it a lot, and a lot of companies were saying, well, how do we use this for our consumers? And I know my answer was always, you know, you can pilot it, but probably your consumer's not going to use it. When I was beginning to look at use cases, a lot were coming up around training and employee use cases, right? And then we began talking about it because of that as well. And so we were thinking employees may actually be the audience today, either for fleshed out applications that are going to be effective because we've seen that there are examples of those, and are also as an early sort of testing ground, not that people should treat their employees like <laughs> test subjects, right. but a testing ground to see what this technology can do. And then companies will be prepared to roll it out to sort of the mass consumer market once it's ready. Yeah. You know, like many other new technologies that have emerged, the hype around the various realities, whether it's extended, mixed, augmented, virtual, has been high. And so I think companies have maybe felt some pressure to look mm -hmm. for viable use cases before there were clear viable use cases, maybe on the consumer side. Yeah. Um, so I do think that there's maybe the, a pressure that was felt, oh boy, we better find something to do with AR or VR or any of these when you didn't necessarily have the broad swath of consumers, maybe some very early adopters, but not the broad swath of consumers clamoring for companies to create these types of experiences. What is it about the employees in general that makes them an early use case? Yeah. Well, when it actually came from a story you shared on a past podcast episode that, that sparked a light bulb moment for me of, oh, that's how to think about that, where you were talking about having been at a conference, I think it might have been Mobile World Mobile Congress, World. Mm -hmm. and the use case of doctors in a virtual reality setting practicing yeah. surgery. And the light bulb moment for me was, oh, there are so many training scenarios where the real world version of the training is so expensive and so space-constrained and so vital to get right, but therefore hard to do in a real setting like practicing surgery. Maybe you can use cadavers, but it's not a perfect simile of the real live person. Or another one that is about firefighters training on live fires. Boy, that's expensive and dangerous and tough to create and to move around. There were just so many of those types of training settings and possibilities with employees that that was sort of the jumping off point for me to say, wow, we really should explore this for the employee side because there's so many opportunities it would appear to either save a ton of money in wow. how you give this training, make it available to employees and or make it much more available to more employees, more time so they get more practice hours and in more varied locations, you're not just spending as much either to stand it up in different locations or to get employees to travel to different places for the training, that you can make it available to them through virtual reality in wherever they are. So that was what really sparked the sort of aha for me that there, again, had to be something here because there were so many employee scenarios, uh, and we found even more as we got into the research, that were crying out for more training, more practice. And so before we get to what those other scenarios yeah. are, 
you know, recap some of what you just said, which is that there's actually a use case, which yes. is the number <laughs> one thing that I was trying to combat in early conversations, which is that technology for technology's sake, without people who have the technology like VR headsets to actually experience it, but then also see no value in the experience isn't going to be effective. And then also just the one other component is the matter of technology adoption. Yes. Right. So AR can be more widely used by consumers because, you know, they have their phones and can use AR through that in most cases. But to get a VR headset, right, you have to go and buy that. And so when you think about employees as well, you can equip them with the technology so that they can use these experiences without having to buy them themselves and sort of go over that cost hurdle today. Okay, so in the report, we talk about three broad areas of use cases for how to use extended reality with employees. So, Jenny, can you summarize those for us a little bit? And then we'll talk about a few of the examples. Yeah, this first one is the ability to improve training and produce um, sort of more practice opportunities in this lower risk, more accessible extended reality environment. The second is to provide additional information in context when the employee may need it. And then the third is also to grow employee empathy for others, which I think was one that wasn't an early idea that we had going yeah, into this because right. we were thinking very practically, how does this sort of equip the employee with the skills that they need. And then this opportunity to also build empathy, which is a skill employees need to be effective, um, was also there. So those were the three, sort of training, um, in-context information, and growing empathy. Yeah, and what I love about them is, you know, the first two, as you said, we sort of went into the research expecting to find, in my mind at least, it was because the first one was the clear value of a virtual right. reality. The second one was the clear value to an employee of augmented reality, that I could have a screen, you know, a layer pop up that would give me information about the customer I was talking to on the phone or, you know, about how this part should be installed, whatever it was, that in context. The third only came out of doing all the research and seeing sort of how mixed reality would work together, right? That sometimes mm -hmm. it was virtual settings, sometimes it was connections into other employees' locations or stats about them, sort of a combination of both augmented and virtual reality that would give you that empathy, give you that sense of walking in their shoes uh, through the virtual, but the information about them in the augmented. So now, I think that's why you do the research is you, you find wow. out things you weren't expecting to find. Um, and that was certainly an aha for me as we talked to some of the companies who are doing this. And I thought that this empathy one was actually really interesting. <laughs> like I ended up really geeking out on it. And that's because I saw so much opportunity in what it can provide to employees and to businesses. Because, again, this isn't just about sort of tactical training. How do we equip them with the skill sets? One of the benefits of extended reality is that you can help someone see through someone else's eyes, yeah. right? a simulation of it, or transport someone into a different context where they can build some sort of empathy of that context or understanding of what someone else may be going through. And I remember sort of going back to Mobile World Congress when I last talked about VR, there was this use case where they used VR to show what newborns could see to help people sort of build empathy to understand what the sort of external uh, stimulation world was like for children, right? And so you're trying to look out and see, but everything is really blurry and black and white. Mm. And so that helps you sort of build empathy for that use case. But you can also do that in a way that is more sort of business-centric, if you will. And so when we began to see how this empathy relays into employee in the business world, right, there were implications for inclusive design. That was really interesting. Implications for understanding the customer's emotional state, 
So when you're performing the surgery that you mentioned earlier, um, how does the patient feel in that moment? And could that have doctors and nurses sort of act differently towards them in that moment to help that experience? And then the other one was also understanding what some of your colleagues are going through. Yeah. And, you know, with any new technology, it often starts out with clear analogies to a technology it's replacing or similar to. Mm -hmm. You just think of the desktop on a computer. But when it gets really interesting and innovative is when it starts to pull away from just better versions of what came before. And in this case, I'm thinking of practicing, you know, surgery on a cadaver to practicing in a virtual setting. Having a manual that's a paper manual to having one that is sort of pop-up and virtual. Those are big improvements, but they are still big improvements in an existing model, whereas you were talking about the possibility of doing inclusive design in a totally new way, having the real-time empathy for your customers or your colleagues in a way that's just not possible in the old world because the dynamism of the augmented and virtual realities enables that in a way that is not available in an offline version that's, you know, sort of analog. So I think it's a really good example of where we're now starting to see, and this is maybe a sign of it's starting to mature a little bit, that the technology is moving into its own unique use cases that aren't just new versions of old use cases. Yeah. And even some of them, too, are evolutions of things that we wish that we could do (laughs) but weren't able to do before. And so one example I'm thinking of here is we talked about customer empathy. And often we'll do journey mapping exercises, you know, explore this through the eyes of the customer. What do they want? What is their goal? How did they feel when they, you know, walked into the branch or made that customer service call? But one cool example that we have in the report here is one that Fidelity Labs did. They used VR to have someone act like the customer sales rep on the phone. Right. And you can say, oh, well, the person on the other phone is really stressed at that moment because they're calling because they don't understand Mm. some document that came in. But then they would actually switch the image, the VR, to show someone sitting at their kitchen table with all of these papers around them trying to make sense of it and understand the jargon and be really stressed on the other side of the call. And so that goes sort of above and beyond right? what some existing customer or user-centric design tools have been able to do like journey mapping or even remote usability testing or videos of people struggling through processes to let you actually see what is this customer's world and oh maybe we should change this paper process or we do have to be a little more understanding on the phone so some of those are really cool i also really liked even though it was you know a little bit more in the mundane sort of category the example from walmart where they're using extended reality to get training to employees on really important scenarios that they would likely not get exposure to in day to day and so they wouldn't be prepared for and or that are infrequent enough that it's hard to justify including them in the you know sort of standard training and the best example that i think is imaginable for listeners is that they train them on black friday yeah. The, you know, the busiest <laughs> shopping day of the year. It's such a one-off for any of the Walmart stores. We've seen the news yeah. clips of when people storm the door. You can't prepare for that on a normal Friday working in a Walmart. And the turnover of retail store staff at Walmart in particular is so high that most employees in most stores, it will be their first Black Friday. Mm-hmm. Every Black Friday is their first Black Friday. So how do you get them ready for that? And this is where extended reality can be so impactful is to expose employees through training to events that are critical but rare or hard to analogize to your existing day-to-day, right? They're so different in terms of the volume of shoppers and the intensity (laughs) of the shopping mission those shoppers are on. Yeah, the emotional tenor in that moment is crazy. (laughs) Yeah, it's totally different. So I really like that example because to me that resonates about how this can, again, even, you know, if we're still talking about employee training that sounds similar to other employee training, we're moving well beyond a standard use case for, you know, okay, it's just training that's now virtual so you didn't have to come to the the training center. It's It's like, no, actually, this is something they probably 
probably couldn't have done real training on before. Maybe, you know, the night before they were doing some reminders about what the door was going to look like in the morning. Yeah, so one example, actually this isn't necessarily an example, but this is a finding that stood out for me. You can go into an experience, but unless you have the full sort of sensory experience, it's still not totally relatable and believable. And so even in that example that we mentioned of doing surgery, the objective of that VR application is to walk through the steps that you take in the process of the surgery, but it is not for fine motor skills of actually conducting the surgery. Right. Just because the VR technology and the way that it was designed is not for that sort of fine motor capability. But while that can be a shortcoming, one, you can overcome that if you set the right objective. But also that flame trainer example, they provided haptic feedback. So you could wear gloves that were simulating a change in heat and also the pressure of the water hose. So that was an example where they did use sort of a full suite of these emerging technologies to create the sensory experience that from an interaction design standpoint is much more realistic. Yeah, I think that's a great example of, again, not being obsessed with it being as virtual or tech-driven as possible, but rather thinking how close to the real experience can we make this while still getting a lot more value out of the training because it costs so much less and we can do it in more types of settings for more firefighters. Yeah, and how close to reality do we need to make it, right? So in that surgery example, it's fine. It's not totally real, right? They'll do the motor skills on something else. And so for that point, the development cost probably wasn't worth it. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I mean, imagine, you know, all the graduates of that flame training are dropping the hose because they didn't have the experience of having to hold on to it as the mm-hmm. water pressure really kicks in or yeah. they're, you know, they're, they're, they're getting too close to the fire because they didn't know how hot it was going to be, you know, mm-hmm. if they were holding the hose, like that's a failure. And so it's critical to the training, right? So that they're safe and effective when they get into the real mm-hmm. firefighting scenarios. Um, was there something else that stood out to you, Sam? Yeah. Well, one of the advantages of employees is that they're a bit of a captive audience and you said, Mm-hmm. At the beginning, you know, don't yeah, they have to be. <laughs> don't assume they'll just do anything then you yeah. want them to do. And I, and I think that is a good cautionary note to end on is you still have to make this a good value adding experience for employees. And one of the key things to do is make sure they know how to use the headset if you know you're yes. doing a virtual reality mm-hmm. setting. Make sure that they have the right environment to do it in, right? So they're not going to get disoriented when they take off the headset. Just those things that you would absolutely want to do to make it a good experience for consumers, you do not want to take for granted that because employees are captive, because they are going to get some value out of a training scenario or an empathy scenario, that you don't have to pay attention to the design of the entire experience, not just the interaction. So I would keep that in mind, the larger context of the interaction, the unboxing experience, you know, any of the information about why we're doing this, what value you'll get out of it, that kind of information can go a long way towards increasing acceptance, increasing usage, and increasing the value, the the benefit that employees get out of it. And one final and can increase your learning from doing this with employees for how to do it well with Mm -hmm. consumers. And I would always keep your eye on the prize there that ultimately it would be really nice to use some of this technology to add value or create new, more valuable customer interactions. We're just not there yet, but the learning with employees can advance companies in that direction. So I would take seriously the design of the entire experience for that reason as well. Listeners, this is Jenny and me talking about a report that we uh, worked on together called the Extended Reality Opportunity Today. Your employees. We'll talk to you all on next week's CXCast. Bye for now. Thanks to our colleagues Amanda Chen for recording and mixing the episode and Will Wilsey 
for editing and publishing. And listeners, if you have questions, feedback, comments, or suggestions for new episodes, please email us at cxcast at forrester.com. And remember, your customers' perceptions are your customer experience reality.